Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Well, hello and welcome to Mother, Rewriting the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. I kind of say this every time, how excited I am to have every guest that I have on the show, but I am honestly like particularly, I'm going to cry already, moved and excited to have Mary Summers on my podcast today and you'll learn why I'm so moved and excited, but welcome, Mary. Thank you. Yeah. And um, so I'm going to officially share some things about Mary and then I'll say a couple personal things, but we'll be getting way more into that, you know, through the course of the interview, but just to find out who she is. So Mary Summers is the academic affairs director of the Midwest Maternal Child Institute. She's certified professional midwife licensed in Wisconsin and holds a master's degree in public service from DePaul University. Many years of experience and wisdom comes from witnessing and guiding more than 1,800 deliveries over the past 35 years, of which two of those deliveries were my daughters, Morgan and Hannah. So hence, you might understand why I am particularly moved (laughs) to have Mary here. And because early in her career, she co-founded Chicago Community Midwives. And that was where I intersected with Mary in this beautiful organization of women who provided midwifery and home birth, the home birth option for women who chose to do that. And I was one of them. And it was one of the most empowering, life-changing experiences I had had to date. And that's not even the birth. That was just being with these women who empowered me to think for myself, not just like put all the power into the hands of, you know, the powers that be the doctors or nurses, but understand that I have a lot of innate wisdom in my body. And there's a lot I have agency to advocate for and share and and be empowered to have. And, you know, that's the power and beauty of what Mary's been doing. So, but let me say a couple more things because I want you to get like how cool she is. Okay. So she has worked as a midwife doula, lactation consultant, private practices in the Chicago area, co-directed several nurse midwifery practices, uh, was a World Health Organization fellow, studied maternal health in the Netherlands and England, worked with midwives in Malawi um, and Grand Valley State and to create a midwifery guidebook, an APP, and was on an advisory board of the CASA Professional Midwifery Program in San Miguel de Allende in Mexico. Mary has worked for more than 30 years in the community health as an administrator, director of maternal child health programs, supervised more than 40 midwifery students, and trained more than 100 doulas in her various administrative roles. If that's not enough, she is also author of More Than a Midwife, Stories of Grace, Glory, and Motherhood, and The Doula Handbook. She's featured in the book, Bright Lights of the Second City, 50 Prominent Chicagoans on Living with Passion and Purpose by Betsy Storm. And I just know like what an advocate you are and these, and I want to name some of the concrete things you've done, but, you know, we'll get into and be with how you hold all that because you care so much. 
and then how you bring that to each individual woman, whether it's, you know, it, while they're giving birth or while you're educating them. So thank you so much for the work that yeah. you're doing. And I love how our paths have crossed in so many ways because I work with you in some of this and we'll talk about that. But if you don't mind, I'd love for you to kind of pick up on anything that I just shared or just share even a little bit about your journey, how you got to be doing what you're doing. And because uh, I love women's journeys. So if you'd go ahead and kind of kick us off there, that would be great. Yeah. Well, thank you. Now, it's interesting. Um, how do we get here? And yet I do think some of that's predestined, you know, even thinking about a lot of what you said, like your truth, what you found in your own delivery enlightens my truth mm. of knowing where to keep going. So each story actually builds upon itself. And I think ultimately I'm a storyteller. I think that's actually what got me into this or keeper of the stories, not really the storyteller, but although I do sometimes do that in my, when I express myself through art, I've always tried to hold the idea of birth is uh, a right and a privilege, right? We birth and how to create spaces for people to give birth in a way that is an option for everybody. Hence my long history of working in community health and mm -hmm. working for programs where it's accessible to everybody. And and also looking where, I mean, everybody needs this kind of care, you know, so community, uh, Chicago Community Midwives was one of those things. We we're one of the first not-for-profit home birth groups, but, you know, we were enlightened by a group in the United Kingdom. And I remember reading the book, uh, Community Midwifery, and the aspect of community midwife, and that's really an old origin for midwives. And so how do you make care relationship Based. I think that that's important. Like we can't really have the compassion we want if we don't really know the people that we're serving. And well, I'll just say it like that. I think that, you know, we're all, we hear that thing where it's a village, but it really should yeah. be a village that takes care. And then we should support villages to care for people. Yeah. Well, just you mentioning, you know, what you learned and brought from the UK kind of immediately clicked in my mind, kind of how I'm just going to, you know, be blunt off we are in the U.S. in our thinking and just how hard you've had to fight in the state of Illinois and elsewhere to allow women to have the option for, you know, whether it's a home birth or, you know, a birth center type birth. And I'm so glad you have advocated, but can you say a little bit about that and your thoughts on that? Well, even my particular journey as a certified professional midwife, I've always had to work in this state under doctors and nurse midwives and not be a solo primary, which I was when I was in, when I can work in Wisconsin or some other states. So just this year, CPMs will be licensed independently from that. So I've had to do a lot of work to collaborate, actually. And luckily, I've had good collaborators. I'm lucky to, to anyone listening, especially if you're a young person listening, find good people to collaborate with. And something my sister once said too, you know, you can do a lot of good in this world if you're not so interested in taking the credit for it. I think those Beautiful. are wisdoms I'd like to pass on that really, because it does take a village to do any of those things too. So I just have been, good people have come my way that have sh shared goals or yearnings. I don't even know that I would call them goals as much mm -hmm. as yearnings. And those yearnings lead us into something that we couldn't imagine. You know, you know, every time you take on a hard thing, it's always so much harder than you think. And the timeline is never the timeline you think. <laughs> totally. But uh, if you just kind of go from that, you don't, a can't isn't in the way. Mm -hmm. It's a how, you know, and I have a dear friend who still works in San Miguel de Allende. And she's been at her goal 
Hospital's there for helping midwifery there for, you know, well, over 25, 30 years also. And so as we start this, we have to have a long view, but we need short-term connections to those truths. So I think that's what happens. Every birth story connects you to the truth that's so much more immense than us, that it keeps us going, it keeps us going. And I think where we go astray that anyone can us can be prone to do is we get in our own minds and we can get in our own psyches and our own egos. And that is sure to destroy our, our journey, you know, which is every hero's hero's journey, right? right. They get hubris and it gets into trouble. So don't do that. No. <laughs> Not, I'm sure I've done that along the way, but luckily I've had people pull me back and ground me. So people and the truth, right? Absolutely. Well, I'm thinking about how, you know, I found you, I, well, even just the thought of, you know, it wouldn't have been in my, I don't know, thought my atmosphere to even consider a home birth or something like that. Were I not in the proximity of someone, my boss at the time who, you know, his wife had one and they had one and he described that experience. I'm like, well, there was then like, for me, it was like immediately made sense. Right. Oh, you're in, you know, maybe there was some of the control, but literally it was things like, oh, I can eat whenever I want. Oh, you know, I'm going to have, I'm going to be able to create the environment and the atmosphere that I want. And I was, you know, newly on a, my own growth journey and just starting to um, experience what it meant to be fully conscious, you know, of my experiences and in the here and now. And, you know, it didn't take much for me to think like, yeah, you know, what superseded the thought of like how painful it was going to be was, the idea that I would have that much more opportunity to feel and be in the moment, you know, with the experience. Now, you know, when I shared with people, my family, friends, that this is what we're doing, you know, I didn't receive a rousing, you know, excitement for it, but it, you know, something that seemed like, and we did our due diligence, we looked at options, we looked at, you know, other, you know, midwives in a hospital and, you know, there were just restrictions and controls that just didn't feel right to me. But what do you think it is? Like I have my own ideas of like how our culture and has come, you know, is so tightly bound to, you know, the typical medical hospital birth. Like that's how you should do it. Like one, that that's the safest. And two, you know, it's the best way to go. Like if you go to the best hospital and have the best doctor, and I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, that that isn't right, that there's a continuum. This isn't a like, that's all bad and wrong. To me, it's more, why isn't that choice more available? Why isn't it, you know, more an option? Why don't, you know, anyway, I think you get the point of where I'm going. um, It's about the felt experience. So if we think about absolutes and we live in a time that people like absolutes and certain, you know, certitude, which Mm -hmm. again, I think what, you know, intimacy never happens in certitude. You know, we have to have that open and that vulnerability and stuff like that. And birth is one of those very intimate moments in our life. So to back up a little bit, I think we do have this imbalance right now, if you want left brain, right brain, however we want to have that construct. But if I even think of my own evolution of thought and consciousness, I would say consciousness more than thought would be now it's about 150 births before I think I got the level of birth I needed to be at to -hmm. get. And it was the birth of my own first child. And, you know, here before that, I mean, I remember after I gave birth to her, I was like, oh my God, can I go back and redo those? Because <laughs> now that I know a little bit more, and it was the fault experience that you can't put in words, no. you know? And I remember thinking, 
you know, how, how do I explain how the little bitty Mary Summers is part of this bigger thing? And so I'll get kind of mystical on you. Yeah, so, please. you know, you try to explain it, like, how do you tell someone how you touch your soul? Well, you can't. But when you touch that little moment, those little glimpses, you don't go back to not having felt that, right? So along the way, I came across John of the Cross, who coined the phrase Dark Night of the Soul. Mm. And I thought, now, how does a celebrate monk <laughs> explain my birth experience? Which tells you, again, people don't yeah. have to give birth. They have this. But in yep. our journeys, right, the soul will find us if we have these portals to it. So I thought, well, that's it. And again, I like to always tell people this, too. Like, when you think of the darkest of nights, you can see the stars and they're there all along. But in the busy of our clutter of our everyday life, we don't see them with the light. So I think when you say what the medical model, they're busy in the clutter of this kind of reality. In fact, when we watch people in labor, if you're too aware of what's going on here, you're not going to see there. But we also, and again, so when we think of all the medications we give, especially now the epidural, the beauty, quote unquote, of it is that you could talk to people as if you're not in labor. Mm. So again, I think you can't know what you don't know. It might even be what some people choose. But we also know we've got people doing, I want to say the word ridiculous, but I don't really mean ridiculous, climb Everest for these same experiences. And they're actually in the everyday ordinary always. So, you know, and I find people like that. People can take a childbirth class of mine and they'll tell me some extraordinary thing they did to quote unquote find themselves and yet they're afraid of birth. Yeah. Oh, I, that's really, I love you know, that. I love so. that you're bringing that up because I drafted a chapter for a Demeter press anthology on, you know, women, you know, the negative effect of silencing our, our pain, our voices and, you know, not feeling numbing our pain in some of those ways. And that was a metaphor that metaphor reality that came to me, which was, wait a second, you know, athletes go out on the field, you know, climbing Mount Everest, like we don't give them pain medication ahead of time to, you know, go in there. We tend to them, you know, if they do get injured or if something, you know, actually happens, but they need their full consciousness and presence to do those really big, significant things like get to the top of a mountain. And I think that's a really powerful aspect and kind of window to look at it. Right. But then on the other side, I, I remember looking into like, oh, okay, so what do the people say that are really adamantly against natural, you know, I'm going to say unmedicated or natural childbirth. And uh, one person said, well, the medical model is, you know, do no harm. So right there, we think of birth as like, you know, harmful, you know, something harmful is happening to you and that's not the case. But then, then they said, well, I wouldn't give, you know, would you not give Novocaine to, you know, or someone doing dental work. And I couldn't even compute that comparison. Well, right? let's even do that comparison. <laughs> like when you pull a tooth, the tooth is not a fetus making its way into the new world. So yeah. if we just like took a moment and said, well, what does this fetus have to do on this journey? Or this baby in the last nine months, well, it's got to change the shape of its head. It's got to remove fluid from its lung and take room air it has to make itself through a tunnel. You know, if we just thought that, and, you know, every birthing parent can know, like, you have to actually, the minute that baby's born, be connected. There's a dyad at work here. And it mm-hmm. actually 
is happening at birth. So we can choose to be conscious to that, or we can choose to be unconscious to that. And mm-hmm. that's a choice. Now, I would say with everything, and I'm not one of these things that we'll just try and answer childbirth, like, no, lean into it. You know, I like the right. metaphor of Oz, you know, if you're yeah. not in Kansas anymore, you're going to have to come up with all your um, strengths and recognize that you have them. And also recognize that uh, there's no great wizard. And when you pull the curtain either, the medical model, there's many layers of you, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, I have full faith that people find their way in this world. I don't go to try to convince the person who wants a medical birth not to have one. Mm-hmm. But for that person Neither that wants I. a natural birth and they are come to me, right? It's my duty and responsibility to support them in their goals. Just like mm-hmm. it's nobody's, you know, the only person that matters if they climb Everest is the person that wants to climb Everest. You know, nobody forces them to do that. But if you're on that team for them to do it, then it's your duty to do your due diligence. And I think yeah. that's where we're failing when we think of it as, um, if we want to say the medical model, we're failing to really support people in options. Yes, I'm 100%. And so that's where we have to kind of lean into like, well, why is that we don't do that on their things. You know, people want to do hard things in life. We can say, you go, or do we? I mean, that's the other thing. Or do we? Or do we go back to my Oz metaphor? Or are we part of the wicked witches or the flying monkeys that are confusing people? You know, and I think we have to ask ourselves those things because as we know, good intentions can actually be what undermine and each of us are capable of playing any of those roles. Like if I think of my own self as a mother, if I'm over worrying I become for my children either a wicked witch or flag monkey, even if that's not my intention. I'm I can actually undermine someone else's process. And yeah, so I think with everything, you know, you don't want to hold so tight that you have a dogma that has no opportunity to learn itself. And you don't want to be so loose that you actually don't care. And I think of that as very sloth too, very lazy yeah. too. So how do you stay engaged? How do you stay conscious, right? Really, that's what this is about. And I do believe if we lean into these deeper aspects or essence, it's not even how someone gives birth, like medication. It's like, how do we lean into their processes that maybe, maybe capable, they feel at the end of it, they touch their soul. Yeah. And then yeah. they weren't harmed in their wholeness, you know? Yeah. No, I love that. And I agree. And I, you know, in my coaching of women and when they're in this, you know, particularly obviously the ones that are pregnant or are thinking, yeah, I'm not going to lie that in the back of my mind is like, Ooh, you know, it'd be cool if they chose a, a, you know, natural or, you know, even home birth, like great. But I contain that. And because really ultimately under that, just what you're saying, what I really want is a deep discern experience of, you know, what are the layers? What is the cultural wiring that has you think like, no, I want to do it this way, you know, and I would never consider that. That's fine. Okay. But let's explore that, you know, what, you know, some really deep rooted fears can emerge that then no matter how you birth, like having, you know, gotten to some of that root wiring or unconscious, you know, fears or concerns or experiences that we had, you know, in our own birth, you know, on through our childhood, 
aren't going to manifest unconsciously in some way or reactively, you know, in the process, whether it's in the choices we're making, you know, we're in the midst of whatever decision we make and something big comes up. Like, you know, we've been in this, you know, different level of discernment process. And so I love what you're saying because that's, you know, in rewriting the mother code, that's my ultimate goal, right? Is that more of these options are there and not just then like, okay, so here's option A or option B, pick one. It's more, Mm -hmm. here's option A of what are all the feelings and things that come up with that one? And here's option B, what are all the feelings and thoughts and beliefs? And, you know, I could or couldn't do that. So now we have space, you know, to actually like make a choice. And then whatever choice it is, you know, is beautiful. And, you know, you're going to have your, your experience. There's no, I also believe there's no right or wrong choice. It's that, you know, well, we there's a, I always say to people, there's three questions I always tell people to make your birth plan for is first of all, do think of something hard you did in your life and your challenges. And you almost create a mission statement while you do that. Anyone mm-hmm. can think of something hard they did. They come out of it knowing so much more than they thought they would know when they started the journey. Yep. But that doesn't leave them. That's organically them. And, and usually we feel good about those things because it aligns with ourself. You know, really we want our alignment. And then when we think of something we really wanted to do in life, but we didn't do, we have to explore that because chances are so much things that we don't do because we're so ready for greatness is because we hit a threat response. So either, mm-hmm. you know, even when, if you talk about birth options, sometimes people get on the defensive, right? So we go into a fight, we can go into flight avoidance. We can go sure. like, I just don't even know how to do that. I don't have the resources or yep. we go into compliance, you know? And so we'll find in our life, oh, we've already done that. Great. We've lived long enough if we're in childbearing age, you know, that we probably had some of these experiences and then really do lead into what gives you joy because joy settles us down. I don't mean happy intellectually. Yeah. Those feelings you talk about settles us down. The world's we're always safe in a larger eternity, not in a present moment. And so whatever happens in that person's birth, if they think of those elements, they'll rise to their greatness, you know, and they're going to have moments, I would say, like, when well, you're super tired, you know how you're going to behave. So have a plan for that. You know, <laughs> now, taking birth aside, I always think why it's so important to tell our stories is because it's not going to land on the person that time and space it's not supposed to land in. But I always think of it like in, in dying and death. So mm-hmm. I'll just talk about my own personal uh, experience, not with dying, but being around yeah, dying. Is, please. My father died in a very kind of I would say align with himself in his hospice dying journey. Mm. And my mother did die in a hospice where deer even came to the windows, but she had either Parkinson's or something on a continuum for an ALS where they thought she had gotten pneumonia and they thought it was going to be her end. But anyway, she gets put in the hospice, you know, they take everything away and she lives for 11 more days and she did not die of pneumonia. And Mm. Again, I could go down a rabbit hole with that, and I don't really know the ins and outs. But what I did leave that knowing, wow, in a family full of medical people, I don't think we saw that coming. Mm. And so I was sort of lost, like, if not hospice, what? And thank goodness for people talking about their own experience. I ran into somebody who's gave her mother a natural death and burial and i was like 
there's such a thing. And I remember thinking, wow, this must be how people feel when they hear about home birth, where it resonates with them. And no, that was way back in 2002, this happened. In fact, this is the anniversary of the 20th year of my um, uh, parents' day. And wow, I just saw that today. Mm. Yeah, here we are. And I think that journey, I still am an unknown a lot about it. And I think, why wouldn't I be, right? I'm not myself in that dying process. And people certainly have a fear of death. And I think as bad as our society does maybe on birth with options, I think we do a lot worse on dying and death. And so anyway, it led me to hearing about people like Stephen Jenkinson. So a lot of that. Anyway, my point is, as we speak our stories, it will land in the universe of who that also is helping someone else and enlighten Mm -hmm. them and their journey. So, you know, we never should play small about big things that happen in our life. We should Mm -hmm. celebrate. Right. Absolutely. No, I'm totally with you. And now I'm intrigued. It's like, ooh, natural death. I have to, you know, now I need to explore that because I want to know. Well, it doesn't even have to be natural. I'll tell you, and again, I'm going down a different route, but now that I realize, oh, it is uh, 20 Mm -hmm. years from my mother's passing, which by the way, I remember uh, something you helped and gifted me through of a breathing thing that kind of untapped something of my mother's dying. But anyway, to go back to dying is... I went to become an end of life doula and I went to a training and this is very similar to birth doulas when they first get trained. You know, you want your list that makes you important that you're there. Otherwise, why am I there in this intimate moment? And it's going to be an overkill of doing a bunch of stuff that actually aren't helpful. But myself and even going to this end of love life doula training, I was actually relieved that they gave us the list and things you were going to do. And then I started volunteering on an 11th hour process in hospice where you'd go to people who were in their 11th hour. Mm -hmm. And in this particular program, there's a lot of people who uh, die alone or die to the TV set, you know, and this is hospice, by the way, not non-hospice, you know. So when I did go to where I didn't want to kind of impose on families, I wasn't going to do much of that. So I would say, Give me someone to sit on that has nobody and or a family just needs the relief. They're afraid to leave the bedside if someone's not there. Anyway, the, the point I'm trying to make is the minute I started volunteering, I realized I will be doing none of the stuff I was trained to be. Oh my God. <laughs> what I will be doing is um, being present and the practical. And if I were to tell someone, you know how to be a good midwife and doula is can you catch a vomit? Can you wipe a face? Can you be in the moment? And, you know, it turns out that's really hard for people to do. Yeah. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, Hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo meaning land of the goddess women and coming to really take time for yourself. Okay, and that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. 
And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up, but now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. No, thank you for saying that. Cause, and for some reason I'm feeling emotional about that because that, I don't know, you know, we want this concrete thing to do, like you said, to like feel important and I'm there to like do, I mean, if I think about particularly an experience I had with you as my midwife for the birth of our first daughter, Morgan, where one, you gave the reassurance like along the way, like, you know, I don't need to tell, you know, your body's going to tell you, I mean, you were just, you weren't trying to be this like expert telling me like what's going to happen. You know, you're kept returning me back to like trusting my body and, you know, only checking on things when absolutely necessary, but how much I did, you know, I will say like kind of want it in the moment, like, tell me it's okay. Like, tell you know, I'm, I'm in the right spot or, you know, what's going to happen next that, you know, your wisdom to like withhold not with, I don't mean withhold, but like to honor that that wasn't what was important. What was important is that you continued to empower me. And then when it came to, you know, the final stage and time to push and just how terrified I was because the instruction is to push into the pain, you know, but my mind said the exact opposite. Like, are you effing kidding me? Like, let's just kind of clamp down here and <laughs> like, that seems really dangerous, uh, you know, all the things, but for you, I'll never forget, you know, you holding my hands and, you know, looking in my eyes with like such surety and strength and didn't have to say anything else that I could, you know, maybe you said you can do it. I don't even know. That wasn't the point. It was how you were being 
you know, and your presence, you know, with me in a moment like that to, you know, help me like over that first time doing that. And then, you know, she was born shortly after that. And then I literally like the first thing I thought was I'm a goddess. (laughs) When you say like you touch your soul, like I touched a part of myself that, you know, I didn't know existed. And it wasn't just like I, it was, I did a hard thing, but that wasn't like it. It's there's, I don't think there's exactly words for it, that process. And I think that's why, you know, there was a time like where it's like, everybody should do this. Like, you don't want to miss this, you know? And I do get sad, you know, if, if someone's kind of taking that choice away from themselves, but that's okay. You know, as we said, we got that covered. So I know I said a bunch of the things, but like you said, I don't know if that would have been written anywhere. Like one of your jobs is to, you know, just hold space and hold, you know, uh, you can do it space while someone's doing something really scary and hard. And I'm forever grateful. And I've, you know, gone back to that moment many, many times. <laughs> yeah. so. and well, going back to what you said, like the medical models, you can't support something not only do you not believe in, but it's something that makes you actually feel not as quote unquote competent. Mm-hmm. I think that's just the challenge. And I, you know, I'm, I got this big thing I'm telling everybody all the time when I've heard a thing called moral injury, it just like mm-hmm. clicked to me that this is what's going on, whether it's birth or death or. Mm-hmm teaching, whatever is, you know, we've morally injured people to care for people. So they're morally injuring. And and often people would say traumatized people traumatized, but morally injury is slightly different. At least my take on it is that we've participated in some way of the harm. Mm-hmm. So let's even take something, a story I tell often. I had a friend who unfortunately had to wait, but she was a labored delivery nurse during the time when I started midwifery, episiotomies were the norm, mm-hmm. you know, not for midwives, but we, by the way, overly did goofy massaging stuff. Cause we, in some level that that belief system that people had to cut vaginas were into our psyche. Right. So, but anyway, as you know, we couldn't do episiotomies without high levels, without nurses participating. So she herself had had home births but worked in a labor and delivery unit that did routine episiotomies. And she would say, well, you know, I just hand the scissors over, turn my head and bite my lip. Mm. Ouch. Ouch. Literally ouch to the person. Yeah. And ouch. And I had my own experience when I was a midwifery student and I worked on the border in a birth center and somebody was going to deliver his wife, but he was a doctor, but he was not an OB gynae or family practice. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in his medical training, he knew about an episiotomy and he went, his wife was doing great in birth. And I was this, and our head midwife wanted to kind of like be yucky yuck with him as a doctor. And her background was actually as a nurse too, and a midwife. But anyway, he went to go pick up the scissors and I said, oh, you're, she's doing great. And this midwife slapped my hand as a student and handed him the scissors and he cut his wife and she passed out from the blood. I don't know how that couple eventually ever healed from that. I mean, let alone the episiotomy he gave her was because he didn't know what he was doing. So severe. I don't know how she healed from that either, but yeah. So I guess what I'm saying this is, you know, there's little moments Mm-hmm. That we can be seduced into biting our lip and looking the other way. 
but it goes somewhere with that energy. Do you see what I mean? So I think different from even the, we can actually see traumatized birth, but even the the little moments of biting the lip and turning the other way, it eats on us. And so we avoid dealing with it. And so if we keep birth very organized and medicalized, we never have to go there. Mm -hmm. We stay in our rationale of our rationale of our rationale. And if we have to go to soul searching stuff, even though we, and again, if we look at all heroes journey, even recently I was re uh, visiting Hercules, you know, Hercules did a horrible thing. He killed his whole family. That's what starts him on the Hercules journey. Not beautiful, you know, but like we don't come unblemished, none of us, but we keep yeah. growing if we yeah. go into the journey. Again, I, I believe that intimacy is met when we're vulnerable. And I hope that I had when I was with you in birth is the vulnerability memory of me at the vulnerability memory of you that says we can do this. Yeah. I remember even recently, my poor son had this traumatic brain injury. First of all, to walk in and realize this is going to be my new village, you know, everyone Mm -hmm. caretaking, right? And what you could see when you see people, when you're vulnerable, I'll never admit this beautiful moment of a nurse and I don't even know his name. That, that's the beauty of people. Uh, I think it was, yeah. I think it was Brian or Kevin or Keith, but in my state, I can't, it was one of those names. But at one point I probably cry saying this. My mm-hmm. son said, um, I'm hanging on by a thread. And he grabbed my son's hand and he said, more than a thread, my friend, more than a thread. Wow. <laughs> I mean, is this so beautiful? I know. Like, oh, yeah, it's not on his job description to say <laughs> that. But mm-hmm. it's in those moments of someone being so human with someone's real, I'm crying, humanity, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that journey has lots of twists and turns. And sure. I'm forever grateful for the many people and friends that stepped up, you know, and helped, you know, the healing is on so many layers, right? Cultural, individual. Yeah. But anyway, that moment stays with me just However we say today, anyone listening, let yeah. someone know you're hanging on more than a thread. Yeah. When we think we can't, or it's just, you know, too much, or I've never done this before and I don't see how I'm going to, it's like, no, there's a lot more there than a thread. And sometimes the thread is just our immediate knowing, unless we expand out, you know, whether that's spiritually or, you know, beyond, or just to the person next to us to know that like, you know, we can get, uh, supported, energized to move forward and keep going. It's so beautiful. You sharing has me going to thinking of a lot of things, (laughs) a lot, a lot, you know, because my second daughter's birth was so different, you know, and I'm going to ask you this question and because it's a theory I have based on just a sample of two, you know, two uh, daughters. But that's what starts her turn, right? <laughs> a sample is, of two that mean a lot to you. So it's yeah, like, that mean yeah. a lot to me uh-huh. because I had more evidence of it this past weekend when my daughter got married, the first one, which is how much the, her personality, the way she lives was like they're reflected in their birth, you know? Oh. And I mean, it's uncanny to me, like, you know, how words that you said about her birth are like how she, you know, it's like, oh, just, we'll just open the midwife textbook and, you know, she's following it exactly. And, you know, you'll probably do this stage in such and such time because that's kind of how this is going. (laughs) Well, I totally believe in that. And I'm not someone who is well 
versed in astrology and stuff like that, but oh, I believe yeah. it. Why time and space has a meaning and energy, but I definitely believe in the our symbolic life. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, every, think of all the great religions, several of them start with the birth story, you know, so, you know, our own cosmology, you know, has its own birth too, right? So why not with individuals, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't it be that way? And I always think in life too, now, again, there's so many layers of learning and journeys, but that's what you should do as a parent is remember. And some things that don't make sense in that moment later we go, ah, yeah, you know, thinking of my own tradition and, and, um, of Christianity is I would consider myself a spiritual pluralist because I, there's truths and right so much, but I'm more versed in my own upbringing as Christianity. Sure. But a lot of things, when we think of the mother Mary, she ponders, you know, mm. Mary pondered. <laughs> so what you did was you pondered. Yeah. I did. And, and just stood back yeah. and like, you know, witnessed and have watched yeah. and have watched, uh, yeah. you know, and to name, like, you know, I said that about Morgan's birth, but Hannah's birth was, you know, you kind of hear things like a second birth sometimes can go really fast. And I was like, and I was actually sad about that. Like, oh my gosh, I may only do this one more time. I don't want it to just zip by, which some people thought it was crazy, like thinking that, right. But not me. And it That's was, right. I do hear that from people with fast first almost you know yeah yeah but go ahead yeah yeah no you barely actually made it because by the time yeah. i called things you know got moving really fast and that you know that's kind of her it's like okay like i'm ready let's go you know we're we're yeah. not going to kid around here it's like i'm kind of been hanging out but now it's like go time and we're going to like go at it full force you know you got k was there you got there kind of in time but barely <laughs> Yeah. Morgan is, actually oh, seconds that are if you're gonna miss a birth, it's usually the second just yes. for that reason. Like yep. people remember yep. how long the first is and get called a little quick for the second. Yeah. Yeah, we called in the kind of a last minute doula because our birth support we couldn't get a hold of them. It was before strong cell phone signal. And Morgan actually assisted in some really powerful and beautiful ways, you know, uh in the birth, like kind of uncanny, like when you think of channeling, she's two and a half years old, right? But she brought a spirit and a light to my birth, but something that happened in that birth that I didn't even know could happen, I don't think, was she was born in her, my water didn't break. So she was born, you know, in her bag of water and what, you know, is called under the call or you right, know, in the call, which in is the call. You know, every culture, well, I, I don't know every, but of the ones yeah. I know that's considered good luck. And by the way, it usually does mean health and people put that together, but go ahead. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I kind of tease. It's like, okay, well, she, it was intense and hard and fast. And I don't know what it is, if it actually does soften her birth as well, but I'm like, well, you know, she's a second born. So she's making her entry a little and, and she had a heart shaped placenta. You know, there were just some really beautiful things about it that you brought to light, right? Like you, and I just want to name that as another, you know, thing that's probably not on the list is to kind of have this bigger sense of the birth. It isn't like just get the job done. Like you were there to kind of point out some of these things. Like I would have just thought it was like kind of more intense and harder, but you know, that's had meaning to Hannah, like to look at like what that means to be, you know, some of the history and spiritual meaning of that, you know, and then, you know, a heart-shaped placenta, you know, I have a picture of you actually holding it up and like, of course you would have that, you know, and, and just to like name and, you know, and acknowledge the space that I had set up for the birth where you were like, I, can I have 
more births here? Can I bring people over? You know, that were so supportive, you know, to hear from you and to acknowledge. So I think this theme we're getting where it's like, sometimes we, we have a, a job to do and there's this masculine yang aspect of like the doing, but, you know, we're talking all about like the power of the being in it, you know, whether it's the person going through it or the person supporting, you know, and yeah. you, know, you, you and I do that in a number of ways in our lives, but how can I be fully pr- as present, you know, in the moment to all of these happenings as I can? Well, even going back to the idea of ponder a lost art, but something every mother knows, you know, we, when we see something our child does, I don't think that's proper English that, that when they're doing something, we go, you know, that's just something we do all the time. Right. I wonder what that means. I wonder what that means. Now, the more symbolic way of it, you know, you think like, again, going back to what's why we need to have more options, not, not only for the people birthing, but for the providers. Yeah. Because again, certitude, you know, when you're doing things so left brain and they've got their formula, you know, you're missing something and you're missing something for your own wonders, right? So if we just check a placenta out and we get rid of it and we miss the heart shape, wow, we missed something like that actually had importance. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I can make whatever meaning, meaning I want. Right. Yeah. And, and in time yeah. and meaning, you know, the person you say that to may or may not like that might absorb. They'll be like, might be like, oh, great. Okay, whatever. But if I don't say it, I don't have that chance for that person, you know, to to have the gift that it could be, you know, yeah. and that possibility. Well, even if we say whatever, how many times in our life we go, oh, whatever. And then later, mm. <laughs> that's true. right? Oh, like, wow. wait, 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 wait. Did I hear that? And so, first of all, I think those energies are, they're not made up. Those are happening all the time. So whether we acknowledge them or not, that's our choice, mm-hmm. but they're going to come. And so why not ourselves as providers, Lean in. Now, one thing I love about home birth over, and I, I work at a birth center, which I also love, you know, yes. um, and I love hospital births I'm on, is what I really love about home birth is you get to know many aspects of that person. You know, you see the books they read and you see just how they make a home a home. And, and so you get to know more, again, for the symbols of their own home, who you're caring for. But when somebody is on, quote unquote, your turf and it's your routine, mm-hmm. you may actually feel, quote unquote, safer that you're not doing harm because you're doing your steps, but you can't possibly let their fullness come forward that you do when you're actually in their home. First of all, we're trained as humans when we go in someone else's home to even behave a certain way, you know, sure. where when they're in our home, we will click more into uh, our routines and routines are different than rituals. Rituals actually observe the sacred and routines are, we know routines, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I love that distinction. Okay. Well, a zillion things have come to mind too, but I do have to like start winding us down. Okay. Um, well, ah, thank you so for, thank no, you no, for, we're not hundred um, percent yeah. done yet. I'm just, we're winding <laughs> no. down because no. I wanted to know First, so two things, you know, anything based on like the themes that we've been with that you want to like say, and then I'm going to ask, I'm going to tell people why they might want to get a hold of you for various reasons and then how, uh-huh. even though that'll be in the show notes, but anything you else you want to say in summary, and then I'll have one more question after we find out where they can reach you. Well, this is actually going on my 
40th, 4-0 uh, year of having witnessed birth, besides my own, meaning my own birth. Mm-hmm. And I would still say, you know, I don't know birth. Mm-hmm. I know patterns. I can recognize a pattern. I can be in moments. I can probably sometimes not be in the moment I need to be in. But I think that's what's so magnificent about birth. You know, I, I think there is even a, a saying, a Chinese saying about, well, it's hard to question death when you don't know life, you know? Mm-hmm. So that we don't know that this is just that a lifelong journey and we don't know death and we don't know birth, but we do know there's something bigger than us. And that shouldn't make us feel alone. That should make us know that we're part of, I think that that touching our soul when we gave birth was, wow. We can be so little, you know, like that drop in the ocean, and we can be part of something so big. Yeah. And it puts it in perspective that our littleness isn't what it's all about. It's our littleness and the bigness that is what it's about. And so I'm glad I got to be on my journey of life, yeah. the little well, of the big. I am too. And I'm so glad I asked you for that summary because that just went straight to my heart and soul and why I love you so much. <laughs> Truly. Um, So you may want to get a hold of Mary for a number of reasons. One, you're interested in being a midwife because the MMCI, Midwest Maternal Child Institute. Child Institute. I I hate acronyms sometimes. I'm a part of it. I am faculty with Mary on that from the social emotional intelligence aspect. So maybe you're interested from that perspective. You may also be interested because you might be giving birth or you might be thinking about that and to understand and know and the freestanding birth center in in Illinois or in general, I'm sure, yeah. you know, you're open I, to. There are uh, now several birth centers in Illinois. Our, our unique one is part of a community health center. We're only one five in the nation. We're out of the PCC community health center. And and they're all lovely, all the birth centers. Ours has uh, access. We take people from any type of insurance whether you're Medicaid or commercial. And we have this nice streamline into the idea of stratificating people on care, but keeping that midwifery model going. Our present cohort with Midwest Maternal Child Institute is trying to expand the diversity in midwifery. And we have a wonderful group of students who were already birth workers in their community. Mm-hmm. There are a range of previous experiences. And we need to have every community have uh, a midwife and a midwife that represents and understands them from the many different lenses that we come yeah. into birth and midwifery. And so please do support that effort because yeah. uh, we well, need Well, how can support. they? So if you would say out loud, I will oh, put in the um, show notes. You know, I you will know. put a link to a way that they can donate directly to right. Compassionate Response USA. And I will make sure to get you that link also reach out to you or an I if they want to know how to donate. Uh, that's no small thing. You know, if mm-hmm. we look at moral injury and trauma and health disparities and a lot which is not okay in our world that yeah. we really need to look back at, we can definitely look and understand birth justice. And so we do need to gather our everyone together to mm-hmm. know it's all hands on deck, all hands on deck. Your okay. Hand. And people can um, find your books on Amazon. They can. Yes, and I Mary do Summers. teach private classes too on childbirth at uh, through Birthways, but you can also connect with me individually. And uh, also know there's so many good folks out there right now. So mm. again, whether it's me or I don't know where you're hearing this, um, trust the person that you think hears your truth and 
I know it will good things will come from that. There's a lot of good people out there holding up the sky. So yeah. yeah. All right. So last question that I always end the show with, um, with my guests is what does rewriting the mother code mean to you? Well, when I think of my own trying to mother, you know, there's that saying now that, you know, what the struggle for mothers right now is it's like they have to go to work as that they don't have kids and at home is that they're not working. I actually think being a mother is one of the hardest times is right now, actually. And I'm just thinking from my experience, I don't know from eternity, but the point is in my life, I think it's really hard right now. Of course, as I say that, I think, is that true? Probably not. Because in my little block where I grew up and I'm one of 13 kids and we were not the only family in block of 13 kids. And on our street, at least four women were institutionalized during their mothering time and one mm. mother committed suicide. So as I say that, that's probably not true. <laughs> but my Different. point is, it, yeah. we have a long history yeah. of not understanding the many ways that it's hard to mother or whatever now mm-hmm. term that we need for that. And I realize that there's a gender changing time, but sure. there is still that element of what we think of mother, you know, that needs to really understand why don't we really give it its due? And I think it's because it's so big. We think of ways either we individually contain it or not. So I'm going out of this long thing, but one therapist one time told me the reason she thought to my mother at 13 kids and she worked outside the house and she was wonderful in many aspects, but I don't think I really got the nurturing. I think I got it from my siblings and my grandmother that I wanted to learn. And I didn't learn fast on. I mean, I think I did lots of things right as a mother, but Mm -hmm. I think that nurturing aspect, I remember a therapist saying to me, well, you probably got into birth to peek in and the people that seem the extreme to peek in on that. And I mean, again, we don't know why we're led to where we're led. And I've learned a lot about it by watching that. I learned like, what does make someone get up at two in the morning to nurse their young I don't know what that's called, but whatever that's called, we better honor it. Yeah. And we and support do that it as a society and, and support exactly. it. So when you say rewrite the code, it's like, why does that feel so alone and isolating to so mm-hmm. many people doing it? Why? Yeah. This time it's not like we haven't been birthing for a long time. But how have we created it so it is, right? Like so it is created yeah. and you know, we're responsible, but we can I guess the good news is we can undo it, you know, also if we got here, it might take some time, but if we start recognizing it and really enough people calling attention to how like this isn't okay and we need to reverse it. Yeah. Well, we'd have to see it as sacred. Yeah. And again, I do think we all have our own rewriting mother wounds, just like I just said, but you know, I think that's part, one of the things I said, and I'll end it on this, my mother's eulogy is, you know, I took her for granted. And she could only do, which I think, isn't that the job of the mother, which Mm -hmm. is that if our children take us for granted, they can get on with their life. It's when there's still entanglement with that, we don't get on with our life, you know? And yet what a paradox, you know, every mother does feel great when they see their child on their own and yet we're not to be forgotten. And so I think it's interesting that it's February 20 years later, my mother died. Yeah. Yeah. Not oh, an accident. No, our actual date, but I think it's like the 23rd of this month yeah. uh, that I mentioned you, mom. So you're not forgotten, even no. though I took you for granted. And uh, 
how do we wrestle with that paradox that our children need to be free of us, not feeling devoured of us, but at the same time held and they hold us in a space that has meaning for the rest of their life because it's their journey too. In fact, I hear, I haven't been on deaths that this has happened, but I definitely will tell you the dying will always bring forward, at least in my experience, the, mm. their previous parents that have died and their siblings, I'll mention yeah. them, like almost like I know. But I heard that in my own grandmother's death, she reached out her arms and said, Ma. So whether we honor our mothers in this lifetime or not, that journey, I think we return to the great mother. So I there do you too. Go. I do too. And I remember yelling, I remember asking for, I remember yelling ma, you know, and in Hannah's birth. So I think it's there, you know, it's maybe was it my mom? Probably not. I think it was, you know, I wanted the big mama yeah. and maybe a little of her too, you know, remembering. Well, I think okay. that's what we end up doing to all mothers. We hold them up to the great mothers and then we say, oh, you fell short. Well, yeah. guess what? Duh. <laughs> we will. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, you can see why like uh, you and I could just go on forever, which yeah. I love. And I look forward to future opportunities for us to like share, you know, our conversation with more people and, you know, raise the awareness. That's what, you know, I'm trying to do here. And I know you are too. And I love being in partnership and relationship with you, Mayor. Thank you so, so much. Oh my gosh. And again, um, that we've known each other through birth and beyond birth and collaborated on things, which should, what everybody had that connection with their midwife wow right right? and again i want for buyers listeners to know like we're the ones losing out when we don't yes so So. true it's like yeah okay well i will end thank you thank you you're a blessing to me and so many okay bye-bye thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no, subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful, and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.